Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, is much more than a daily report, okay? It it's really is a knowledge platform um, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics uh, through, yes, the daily reports, uh, but also these podcasts, and we do webinars and hopefully some live events in the future. So uh, along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who by the way is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our weekly podcast. And today's topic is the truth about fashion's digital transformation. And today we are honored uh, to have a conversation with Janice Wang, uh, CEO of Alvinon. Um, Janice, you're great. I'm glad you're here. So could you uh, start us off with telling our listener, listeners about Alvinon and what you've been working on in, over the past few years? And I must say that the technology you and your family have developed since inception has completely changed the industry. So uh, give us a little bit, bit of background here. Uh, firstly, thank you, Robin and Shelley, for having me on the podcast. Um, Alvinon is a fashion tech company, and we're focused on the body and its application in the apparel industry. So we use all the data and all our expertise from you know, working in the industry to determine data-driven sizing strategies for brands and retailers worldwide. So what that means for the layman is that we help brands figure out what their sizes, like small, medium, or large, should be. And our most used tool is a fit mannequin. This is both physical and digital. The digital twin has the exact measurements of the physical form, and this is used in different 3D software platforms. So these avatars can look like real humans but have the attributes of a fitting mannequin, and then they're used throughout the product development and production chain. And so because of what we do, we see all the digital transformation that is happening at the retailer, the brand, the sourcing office, and at the manufacturing vendors, but not only from a strategic level, uh, but also from a very granular level. So if you imagine, if you do not use our digital avatars, but you use our physical mannequins. We know kind of what state of digital transformation you are currently in, uh, down to the product level. And so our fears are this, you know, in the next few years, retailers and brands have to make much less product. They've got to sell for higher prices. They've got to make better inventory choices. And in order so that they have a better, healthier bottom line, Right, so the years of growth are, are over. So, but this, at the same time, what we haven't seen is we have not yet seen the investment that's required in the digital realm hmm. to allow for solid foundations to be built for the future. Well, I think uh, right now the industry's had a real wake up call these past two years the overproduction of goods, supply chain challenges, and now this overstock situation that's going to rob profits right out from the fourth quarter. Retailers are really desperate to get out of this current inventory position. They're so desperate, they're willing to give up on margin. And we both know, all three of us know, that's not sustainable for very long. 
Yeah, but boy, it is coming, isn't it? What do they say? Winter is coming. So, Shelly, you know, we, you and I have been talking about supply chain ad nauseum, you know, over the past two years. And the issues surrounding it really just seem to be expanding in, in, in their complexity. Uh, you know, the disequilibrium of supply and demand, which, oh, my gosh, I, I've been writing about that for years and it just continues. So uh, the, the key question for our industry, I think, is whether we can produce and sell less, yet be more profitable. And of course, while we're doing that, can we actually be more sustainable and responsible to our planet, you know, by producing less waste? <laughs> Ouch, <laughs> Janice, I am sure you have a point of view on this issue. Well, of course, the answer of all of those questions is yes, right? Um, and, you know, we've always taken the view that if you are going to be sustainable, it means you actually have to be efficient. Um, and this starts with placing an emphasis on devising mid to long term plans that aim to solve your operational inefficiencies. You know, I think brands have to be collaborative. And the attitude has to be collaborative, not only internally within their siloed divisions, uh, but also externally, right? With their trading houses and supply chain and their manufacturers and all of the technology partners, meaning the PLM and the 3DA partners, you know, design, merchandise, assortment, inventory controls, right? But I think really there are three areas that really need to be addressed uh, with these, within these individual organizations. And firstly, they need much more transparency between the entire organization and the supply base. And that has to be collaborative. You know, and secondly, you need much more training in substantive technical talent, meaning 3D um, artists and 3D production, uh, merchandise assortment and kind of AI and supply chain. You know, half these people have never seen factories before. Um, and then you also have to actually put much more investment in process transformation. Yeah, so. uh, you know, Janice, you and I have talked about this also quite a bit. Um, collaboration and, you know, integration really uh, across the board and across all functions. Uh, so it's, it certainly does breed, you know, richer output. And you've been great about this aspect of the business. And I agree that retailers and brands really need to put some capital in process and digital transformation. And one more thing, as you and I have said, you know, this has got to start at the top. They have to understand. They, don't, they aren't the doers. They're not the people who are going to get it done. But they've got to put their signature on we are going to do this, correct? Yes. Absolutely. But, you know, there are a lot of challenges. Um, our industry is facing this this year. And at a time when we thought we would be in full recovery mode, you know, from the pandemic. So can you comment on some of the major challenges in the fashion industry as you see them? We wasted a good crisis. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? I love and that. So, so where we're at is, is here. We are at consumer appetite for discretionary spending is going to go down fast. 
cost of goods is going to rise incredibly. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to see it this Christmas because we've got so much inventory. So there's so much discounting. So people are going to forget. But next year, it's going to be a bloodbath, right? And then on top of this, every company has a requirement for being sustainable on ESG guidelines, um, which actually nobody knows how to fulfill at this point. And then the fourth point, of course, is you have all this cryptocurrency, you know, bubble that just blew right. up. And but there was this whole incredible thing that happened during that time, which was all of this digital fashion, you know, for the metaverse, right? So I, we're in this situation for brands where they actually have to go back to some pretty fundamentals, right? You have to look at your product strategy to make sure you have right product, right price, right time, right quantity. Wow, that's so interesting, Jan, is that the foundational principles that have stayed, they have stayed the same for centuries. Right product, right, right. price, right time, right quantity, right location. Yet the industry is far from where it was even 50 years ago. So, you know, digital transformation, it's here to stay and it has to include product development. I would say we're just really on the fringes of an explosive time for digitizing product development. So what are your main concerns in the retail's journey for digital transformation and what prevents the in industry from being transparent in this road to digitization? Well, okay. So I think foundational principles are basically taken for granted, mm. right? Because most companies think that they have these great foundational principles and at the same time, they actually somewhat forget to evolve them. And so then at, on top of that, then you have all of these new people coming into the company because then, you know, and it comes in, then there becomes also this tension between kind of what the new people want to think and what the old guard do. And so yep. oh, what we find sometimes is like Alvinon becomes some of the <clears throat> institutional memory for some of these legacy brands. Uh, because we've we, we've seen so many rotations of of the executive board, right? So, but then what I think is foundation, and this is true for every apparel brand, right? Your three D journey has to has to start with you actually knowing who your customer is and what that size set looks like. You have to know what those sizes are, right? And so you have to develop these virtual bodies that also can be physical, right? That are what you build your garments on. And so we call these fit standards. I mean, this is kind of 101 here. <laughs> and what, what it means is that you can build consistent, consistent. I, I, I don't care anything about anything, but consistency, right? Well-fitting garments in a very industrial setting. And we tend to forget that we actually building industrial kind of goods here. You know, because of this fundamental tiny part that what we do, we actually, we're, we're this tiny little part of a very much, much bigger whole. And so what we see is that some brands, you know, their road to digitization is not, is, is currently done by executives who might not have full transparency into the entire supply and demand chain, right? Mm -hmm going to the granularity of what some people have to do. So when you don't when you don't have that, you have no buy-in because executives could spend 18 months and saying, hey, we're doing a digital transformation here, right? But the people who are actually doing 
the work actually then have to implement that strategy within a very short period of time. And we all know that process change is, is hard, right? Yeah, but definitely. Then you get these people who actually do the granular work, right? And then they also start to hold up some of the strategy because they get fixated on one small thing that they think actually will have a very, very large impact. And so, and they also have no buy-in. So they don't want to do it anyway. <laughs> so Yeah. You, you know, that's what I just said before, Janice, and you and I have talked about this. Uh, there's got to be a buy-in and from the, the very top. Um, so what long-term strategies, uh, Janice, does the industry need to build around product creation and development strategies? Okay, so this is going to sound quite trite, actually. <laughs> but I think we actually need to um, create ecosystems, right, around product creation and development strategies that operate both successfully and sustainable in real world situations, right? So, so there's one side. But at the same time, you have to also be preparing for this next stage of the digital revolution. Because somewhere, you know, in the summer of 21 and 22, we saw all of the oxygen get sucked out of the room by the metaverse fashion marketing place, right? Yeah. Quick, quick fix, quick buck, right? Because yep. up revenue. And so the real digitization work, right, got no investment because of this marketing play. But what it did do was it brought in some a lot of new talent that we didn't see beforehand. And it brought in some super sexiness to like this digital revolution. So now people want to be part of it because they saw that play. So I think it was, you know, it was a good thing as well. But at the same time, what we actually have to realize here is we're not building digital clothing only for the metaverse or for gaming. You know, we're at this stage where revenue is still generated from selling real clothing in real life. And so therefore, you have to take all of the strategies and try to build production-ready digital garments. So make it a fundamental step. And that allows you to utilize all of your digital garments in different stages, not only in the product life cycle, but in the marketing life cycle, right? And so the key to this successful digital product strategy is to build assets once, once, and then leverage it mm. many, many, many times. And then it becomes much more critical that your digital product development is done with production, physical production ready mindset from the very beginning. Um, in the past few years, I think what we've seen is this up ramp, right? Of a lot of our clients realize that they have to do this. It started at the start of the pandemic and they have to take this approach to the digital pipeline. So you'll see some winners and losers in this game. Yeah, Janice, you know, uh, Tim Cook, of course, CEO of Apple, uh, said he doesn't see metaverse happening. But, you know, I know there's just too too many other smart people who say it will eventually. Anyway, but 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 that aside, um, you know, the, the, the shift towards digital digital design strategies, you know, has meant that it has created a circular collaborative workflow that gives visibility, uh, transparency to everyone in the product development life cycle 
much sooner. So essentially, uh, the business is moving away from a physical sample workflow, which was incredibly wasteful, uh, and now relies entirely on one action happening before another one can happen uh, in, in a more linear fashion, right? Yeah, I think, you know, there's been a huge shift, right, from physical samples to a much more fluid workflow. Um, actually, if, if you ask any sourcing person, they actually were very fluid beforehand too, because they've always waiting for various things to happen anyway. But um, I think one of the, the big things that we see is that, I, I'll give you an example of what happened, right? Uh, we have one brand that basically completely changed the way it had to operate in order to kind of meet these expectations and, and it's gapping, right? And the scale of the strategy, no, no matter what you think of gapping, okay? The scale mm -hmm. of the strategy is not to be underestimated because it's been rolled out across all four brands, you know, but also across all of these vendors and across 25 countries, you know, and mills and everybody that's in there. So it becomes much more collaborative. And there's this partnership that's built with a collaborative workflow, right? You know, the business has more visibility earlier on in the pipeline. And, you know, the, and you can take all of that information and you can pass it to your marketing team, to your photography team, to your web team, you know, and most importantly, you can pass it to your customers, um, which means that you can get into a circular feedback loop. And that's where everybody wants to get to, a circular feedback loop. Well, you know, it's interesting, like many other areas of our fashion industry, um, the fashion business is working in a very kind of siloed way. And that kind of limits the ability and levels of collaboration, especially when it comes with working with vendors, you know, the business kind of pushes information out to them. But this legacy thinking is changing now, hopefully. Well, I I hope to, because ultimately we really should be looking at this entire end-to-end -end process much more holistically, right? It, and, and this is not initial upfront savings for, of, from just the cost of developing the product, you know, but it actually has much more deeper unintended consequences, which what it means for the whole entire garment industry. We actually need to be much more sustainable. You know, all of these little tiny uh, my micro kind of decisions that get made. I mean, from things like, please extend your collar by a quarter of an inch, you know, something like that, right? These are micro decisions that are happening. They've got these, all of these ramifications that like, like flow down the line that create much more wastage, much more unsustainable, right? And so we've got to get to a much, much more efficient decision-making process. Yeah, you know, by viewing, you know, the process in a holistic manner, as you say, it, it really opens up other opportunities and even new markets, right? For example, uh, in the past few years, we have seen more growth in inclusive and underserved markets like body inclusive or what used to be referred to as plus size, for example. In other words, it seems to me that inclusiveness could also expand to producing product for people with disabilities. So, you know, which I believe, excuse me, is a huge market opportunity. Uh, I believe brands are really starting to look 
at this market segment. So what's your take on that, Janice? So I think that this is a market that's hugely underserved, right? Because they haven't actually had the ability to produce single unit items or actually less product. And a lot of this has to do with the way that we were producing it beforehand. I think Corsite expects like kind of the spending on uh, adaptive apparel to to be about 1.3 billion in 2022. And that's like, and the whole market size is something like 60 something billion. Um, But that means it's a super underserved market, right? Um, And one of the things that actually we have to recognize is that people have to be able, consumers want to see themselves in the clothing that they're buying. And they have to also have you know, special abilities to use. So it actually is basically functional apparel. And part of this is that when you can't really visualize yourself, you are unable to buy something. And so actually having something, one of our great partners is Karen Wilson. And what he actually created with the Down Syndrome uh, International was he actually created a digital influencer that was generated out of many different faces that to, he he worked with uh, uh, people with Down syndrome to create this uh, digital influencer called Cami. Love it. And I think this is really going to change the way that people feel about this because they can Im- immediately see themselves in the garments. And we had another um, one of our friends actually describe how you were able. He was able to use 3D. Uh, this was Craig Crawford. He actually was how he was able to use. 3D to actually design product to show actually how it would sit on a special body that was, you know, made for somebody with Down syndrome. So there's a lot of these kind of digital aspects that are actually helping to fuel uh, uh, the revolution in kind of making garments that actually are functional for use. With regards to the plus size market, I think one of the big things is that you have to be not only size inclusive, but you have to be able to have sizing standards that actually reflect all of these different populations. And then you actually have to be able to visualize yourself in it. Because I'm sorry, somebody who is a size 18 does not want to see themselves in something that looks good in a size two, right? They want to see how they look in that, you know, and, and that's hugely important. And digital allows you to do that. Well, that's so interesting. And I'm sure data analytics has to play a huge part of the digital pipeline and, you know, building out the assets. How has the fashion sector been able to leverage big data to help make better decisions and businesses are moving into next phase of demand forecasting and bringing more data sources to create a holistic view of demand? Right. So this is this is part, I mean, I, I think basically more data sources do not equal to better data insight. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the rule of the, the rule, this is something that the brands should actually recognize. So part of it is figuring out A, what data you actually have, right? And then once you want that, you actually also want to say, what data can I actually insight do I actually need to use? Right? And so a lot of, we've, you've got way too many data sources at this point. And eventually, basically, 
AI algorithms are going to outperform humans forecasting abilities. And but there is a tension in that because everybody wants to say, I mean, hey, I'm going to forecast better than the computer. Yeah. I mean, that's the general feeling that, you know, one person has, right? And so, so you get resistance against it. And then at the same time, what we actually have to change, you know, merchants' feelings about is that this should be much more an AI facilitated kind of decision making rather than seeing the AI as competition. It's, it's as if it's like augmented intelligence, right? Love that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it wasn't coined by me, that's all I say. But um, during 3D Tech Fest, so we had a Harvard Business School professor, her name's Chris Ferreira. And Chris says that in her research, right, one of the things that she's trying to figure out is there's a huge gap in success between these two ways of forecasting, you know, AI forecasting versus human forecasting. And it comes down to the space between public versus private information. And private information is like stuff that you can, a human can tell, like, for instance, like, um, you know, pink is over and green's going to be the next cool color, right? And so you're going to forecast more into green, but the AI is not going to be able to tell that because it's looking at previous data or whatever. Um, so what you want to do is you want to augment all of this information and then you want to get inside your product development and actually get inside the circular system so that what you can actually see in demand is going to flex your for your production capability. So that, that's the most ideal situation possible. So, and so some people are going to say, hey, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. But I can tell you actually it is happening. And it is happening for one of the, the, the largest sustainable brands, which is Patagonia, right? And yes, it's not the most trendy and fashion you know, company that's out there. But, um, but one of the things that it does do is it takes all of the information that it has and it puts it into kind of a, a grid, you'd say, right? And it allows, uh, you know, it allows for, you know, there, there to be multiple dimensions of information, like both not only, you know, item level, you know, style, color, size, store, day, and then at the same time also using media channels, right, of, of private information that's coming in here. And so you have scenario specific things using this, uh, these algorithms, and the forecasts are 30% better than human forecasts. So you can still, you can still hit the systems, but the forecasts are already going to be better. And what this allows you to do for your, for, is that you actually are able to work, adapt these kinds of models for shorter two-week production or even, you know, nine-month long cycles for some of your like long-term fabrics that you actually have. You adapt these models to actually work with both the supplier and the demand chain and actually all works together. And this was uh, the case that came through with our friends at 7th on 9, um, which is a very, you know, it, it showed that it actually could happen and it can happen now. You know, Janice, you guys have really developed a, a goldmine of, of global data. And I'd like to shift gears here a little bit and talk about an event that you and I had recently. Um, remember we interviewed Denise in Candela who's the EVP apparel division and private brands for Walmart uh, US. And she revealed the latest innovation it is launching with its virtual try-on experience for online shoppers. So Janice, this is your wheelhouse. Can you give our audience some of the 
key takeaways from that session uh, with Denise. So last year they bought a company called Zekit. And what they have been doing is they've been trying to finesse and develop these algorithms and machine learning models powered by like Walmart Global Technology. Um, and in the first implementation, they actually did this thing called choose my model. The customer actually gets to select a model that looks like them to actually show the clothing. And the virtual try-on experience <coughs> is now evolved to allow the customer to upload a photo of them and see what that clothing looks on them, right? It's called a uh, beyond model, basically. And the customer can choose across like something like 300,000 items on walmart.com. Oh. So we know that people love seeing garments on themselves. It's like a game, you know? And I mean, that's that's happened mm. since time in Memorial. Like, I mean, my daughter, I remember, I remember playing with like the little dolls where you stick on like clothing onto them. It's kind of the same thing, right? Um, so, but what we're actually working on. So Alvedon is also working to, to create a much more holistic solution with them. Because I remember very much in the past, we talked about these, you know, digital using building a building a digital asset and you use building it once and build uh, leveraging it many many times and so what we actually think is you can take something like that and power virtual try on apps right so my brother's actually saying that you know there's really this this opportunity to integrate many more elements once you have this front end something like a z kit and when you've actually developed all of your digital assets from the background with the Alvanon body at its core, because then what you can do is you can bridge this gap between like the current um, and what is going to be in the future. And what actually ha that happens is that the consumer can match themselves to one of the sizes and then be able to both see what it looks like on them and also buy the right size. It, it's so interesting. So consumers, the first thing they're drawn to is style and look at the garment. You see something, you like it, and then you say, okay, let's see if it's in my size. And then let's try it on to see if it fits. Um, it's really the last decision they make before making a purchase, but it's actually one of the most important decisions. So last year, Jason, he's also COO of Alvinon. Um, he and I talked about virtual sizing apps. Um, I wrote an article in uh, the Robin Report and he was one of my big sources. And he was, you know, this, this idea of building a digital avatar is great. It just mm -hmm. hasn't been like widely adopted by the industry or even consumers. So, you know, there is a, there's a reason for this, right? So the technology for predicting and building consumer digital avatars has to be much simpler than it is today. It has to be much more accurate too, right? Or else you're going to have no mass adoption. And, and, you know, so there's a lot of drawbacks to this currently because you probably need... Um, you need we need more computing power and right. we need faster algorithms to perform very real-time simulations right because you know people want things immediately they they, they we've got very <laughs> short attention spans these days so you know they want to be able to see it very real and true and i think this will happen right because you know we've been waiting for this for 20 years right so we've been we spent the last 20 years gathering all of this body data from around the world and developing actually all of these size sets. So essentially what we can build out is 
to drive a thing that we call the Albion body engine. And so that you can actually match a person straight into an avatar and good enough avatar, right? But actually that is used, that avatar has already been used to make certain garments. So you'd be able to match all of those things together. And so brands will be able to use kind of this tool to feed into their own proprietary, um, you know, fit tool, whatever that may be, could be ZKit for instance, uh, you know, and, and use these to predict and recommend correct size and fit for the con consumer. But we're not there yet. We all, we all know that we're not there yet, but you have to actually start. So there's fundamentals, which we talked about much earlier in terms of product development. Um, but if you don't, I think the, the thing is that industry has always wanted this quick fix because it's fashion, right? We want things right. really quickly. You want it here. You know, you don't really think about how this thing gets done. The processes. Um, I mean, anybody who's made a garment knows how hard it is to make a garment. You know, you get a true appreciation for your shirt once you've sewn it. Um, but this is the same for digital as well. And so we've got to go through all of these things to, to get to a place where you can be able to fuel a consumer fit technology, right? And once you have that, then you can create this feedback loop and then it will work back into the demand prediction chain. And so we're all trying to get there, but the thing is that we had lots of disparate little pieces. Yeah. And so what we would try to do as an industry, because we don't have very much time, is bring all of this stuff together because only then will we become much more sustainable and efficient? Yeah, you know, Janice, uh, well, first of all, I always learn from you, <laughs> as I'm sure Shelley and our audience uh, did as well today. Uh, my final 50,000 foot takeaway, <clears throat> um, you know, technology and its awesome leaps in changing the world actually, and specifically in our industries, global space uh, continues. But as I've always said, uh, without the ability to understand how to use it, it's really meaningless. And what we have learned today is that Alvinon, and I've known this for a while, not only has understood how to use it, uh, you guys have really excelled to the point where, uh, you know, you're sharing your knowledge with the major brands and retailers around the world. So Janice, um, thank you so much again for enlightening us today. And uh, uh, please tell our audience how they can get in touch with you. So you can get in touch with us on our website, which is www.alvanon.com, A-L-V-A-N-O-N.com. Uh, or you can, you know, ping us on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. Um, and we'll be very, very happy to, you know, just have a chat, see what works for you. Thank you, Janice, so much. Again, I echo Robin's comments. I learn so much every time I talk to you. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and of course, the RobinReport.com. Look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. And follow us on social media. Link in with us. Hear the and, about the industry. And Janice, thanks again. You're great. And I want to thank our audience for listening in. And as I mention all the time, if you guys have any 
topics that you would like Shelly and I to cover, uh, please don't hesitate to send me an email. And it is robin at therobinreport.com. Thanks, everybody, again.